Welcome to Streams from the River, the podcast from the River Church RVA with pastor-teacher Michael Kraft. I know you'll be blessed by the teaching today, so open your hearts and let's get straight into today's message. Matthew chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, I just want to read this. This is John the Baptist speaking, and he says, Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Amen. That's our text for this morning. I've been wanting to do a series on the Holy Spirit for over two years. I have, I have got right up next to the edge of it and hovered around it, it seems like, for so long that it's like, God, are we ever going to be able to talk about this? And finally, I feel a release in my spirit. And if, if God will allow me to actually preach from my notes this morning, we'll, we'll actually get there. Amen. Because I believe that it's so important for us in this day, in this hour, to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, I want to, uh, to call this series Connecting with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Can you all say that? Connecting with the Holy Spirit. This may be one of the most important teachings that we need to understand in the church. How we connect with the Holy Spirit I believe is one of the most important, and I believe also one of the least understood relationships in Christianity. In Acts chapter 19, you know, this is the, this is the book of Acts. This is the birth of the church. This, this, this is the time where the Spirit of God is moving and signs and wonders and miracles and the Holy Spirit is, is being poured out all over the place. It's, it's the early days of an infant church. And it's been 2,000 years since then, and I believe that the Lord is coming back, and he's coming back not for an infant church, but for a mature bride. Amen. But there were, but there were those even in the early church who did not understand their relationship with the Holy Spirit, or even if there was a Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 19, it says, and it happened, this is verse 1, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, found some disciples and said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. How many of you can say in your life that at one point or another, you didn't know whether there was a Holy Spirit? Let's just be honest about it here, okay? I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church, and I knew about the Father, and I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know nothing about the Holy Spirit. When I was born again, I was 
I, I, I was in Baptist circles and United Brethren for uh, a number of years, and I, I learned about my salvation. I learned about relationship with Jesus. I learned how to share my faith with others, but I knew very, very little about the Holy Spirit. I only knew that my mother had gotten involved with this charismatic church some years before, and that she prayed in tongues and she went to services and people raised their hands and they played drums, which of course you never did in the Catholic church. People laid hands on people and they fell out. You know, they had catchers and all of that stuff. And I thought, this is really, really strange to me. Any of you relate to that? That was my introduction to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It was my introduction to the work of the Holy Spirit, but can I tell you, it was still some time, years later, before I began to develop a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. And there's such a huge difference. And so I want to begin a series this morning called Connecting with the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about this for maybe the next six or seven weeks, probably until Thanksgiving, maybe. Maybe the rest of our lives, I don't know. But you know, how we relate to the Holy Spirit is how we relate to other people. How many of you have ever met someone for the very first time and felt immediately a connection with them? Have you experienced that? Why is that? Okay. Feel, feel free to answer. This is a conversational congregation here. So if, if, you've, if you've met someone, you, you meet somebody, sometimes it just, the relationship just clicks. What personality, similar personality, uh, you've got things in common, maybe they're, maybe they're like you, right? How many, of you peop, how many of you like people who are like you, right? I haven't met anybody yet who hates people who are like themselves. Well, maybe a few. <laughs> It depends what you're talking about. But, you know, we connect with people because they remind us of someone. They've got a favorable disposition. And I was looking at this. The Lord spoke to me and said this. The more love that a person walks in, the easier it is to connect with them. The more love that a person walks in, the easier it is to connect with them. It doesn't matter what they look like on the outside. I'll tell you what, there are people that I have met that my initial impression was, ah, let's, let's wait a moment here. I don't know. But then they begin to open up and they begin to share. And what you begin to experience is the love of God flowing through them. And you're attracted to that. Amen. Amen. So how many of you have ever met someone and found it very difficult to connect with them? All right. Nobody's ever not had that experience, have you? <laughs> okay. Let me ask the same question. Why? And, and no four-letter words, okay? <laughs> Usually, there's a number of reasons. One, you may have heard a bad report about this person. 
you know, you may have heard they, they've got a reputation. Have you ever, have you ever met someone with a reputation? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I saw that finger right there, Mr. Ed. <laughs> so they've got, a, they've got a reputation. You've heard something about them, and that causes you to have a, a certain disposition towards them before you've ever even met them, right? Who? They happened to you guys and you were married. You, was it a good reputation? No. Okay. Well, I'm glad you've... <laughs> well, that's, that's good. That's true. Because many times when we have a hard time connecting with someone, we've heard something, we've got a belief system, and it keeps us at a distance and it keeps us from being connected, keeps us from having the relationship that maybe God ordained. And I'm sure that once you walk down the aisle that the lies that had been sown into your heart about that man right there mm -hmm, were dispelled, right? <laughs> it was just the will of God. You were willing to sacrifice your life for him, right? That's all that it was. Do you know that most people decide what they think about others within just a couple of minutes of meeting them? You know, we're, we're really quick to make judgments about people. And those judgments that we make, we, we tend to keep until something happens to disprove it or to cause it to, to change. And can I say that not only does that happen in our relationships with one another, but that is also what happens in our relationship with God, and in particular, our relationship with the Holy Spirit, all right? If I went by my first, well, I'll be honest with you, my, my first encounter with the Holy Spirit was run the other way <laughs> as fast as I, it just wasn't, it wasn't my norm. It wasn't what I was used to. I, I hadn't been taught. I didn't understand who the person of the Holy Spirit was or the importance of his presence in my life and his ability working in and through me to accomplish the very things that God had planted as deep passions and desires in my heart. You see, I believe that without a true understanding of our connection with the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and the work of the Holy Spirit, that we will live like orphaned Christians. Okay? Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 18, he says, I will not leave you. He says, I'm getting ready to leave, but I'm not going to leave you like orphans. And he's making reference there of the fact that he's going to leave, but he's going to send the Holy Spirit. So you see, if we don't understand the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, you may be saved. You may have the Holy Spirit residing in you. But if you don't understand the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, you're going to live like an orphaned Christian. Does that make sense? Okay. Not only that, but you'll be powerless to overcome anything. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You see? So without understanding the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, we'll live like orphans Christians, we'll be powerless to overcome anything, we'll be frustrated by our inability to see God's word and work manifest in our lives, and we'll be lacking fruit. The fruit of the Christian life is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, the fruit of what? The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit that he produces in and through our lives is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. If you think that you can produce those attributes on a consistent basis in your life without the work of the Holy Spirit, raise your hand real high right now. We're going to come lay hands on you. (laughs) Cast that lion devil out. (laughs) But you see, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, without understanding the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, without being connected with the Holy Spirit, we're left to live our Christian life in our own might, in our own power. And how many of you know that only goes so far? I mean, you can love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but unless God fills you with the Holy Spirit, we're powerless. Zechariah chapter, um, it's later in my notes, I haven't got there yet, but it's, uh, chapter 4, I believe verse 12 says, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. You see, there's a lot of things that we can do in our own might and in our own power, but really the victory comes from the Lord. Amen. And it comes through the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you understand and develop a relationship with the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, you will understand that you are an adopted son and daughter. Amen? Your heart will cry out, Abba, Father. Romans 8, chapter 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit, the Holy Spirit of adoption, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, you have to understand that when the Bible talks about crying out, Abba, Father, he's not just saying the words, Abba, Father. Okay? He's saying that there is an intensity of our heart and our spirit that cries out to our Father in heaven in the same way that a small child cries out for his mom and dad. Amen? That's the Spirit of God on the inside of us crying out, Abba, 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 my Father. Does your heart cry out this morning for God, your Father in heaven? Can I tell you if it does, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in and through you. So Jesus' primary purpose in coming to the earth was to restore us to a place in our relationship with the Father that Adam experienced prior to the fall. Okay, you all understand that? 
Jesus came to restore us back into a relationship. In Genesis chapter one, it says, God made man in his own image and in his own likeness. How many of you know something happened to distort that image? In Genesis chapter three, when we see the fall, man's image changed. And ever since the day that man ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, his nature has changed. We took on a different nature. We took on a sin nature. And Jesus came to destroy the power of sin and to give us a new nature. He came to bring us back into a relationship with him that was identical to the relationship that Adam and Eve had in the garden prior to the fall. Amen? Do you believe that? All right? How many of you live your life that way? Amen? That's what God is, it's, it's available to each and every one of us. And see, the challenge for us as Christians is to learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and allow his work in us and through us so that we can acknowledge him in all of our ways throughout all of our days, no matter where we are in the world. It's easy to acknowledge God on Sunday morning or maybe on Wednesday, but how's it work for you about Monday about 1030? You know, or how about, well, Friday's probably pretty good because you're heading into the weekend, but how about on Wednesday? Would that be the toughest day of the week? See, that's why we got a Wednesday service so you can get a top off before you come back, come back on Sunday. But listen, the Holy Spirit lives and resides on the inside of you. You are an adopted son and daughter. The Spirit of God on the inside of you cries out, Abba, Father. That's the real you, the born-again Spirit on the inside of you. You see, Jesus came, and I think it's so interesting because in Genesis, when God created man, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, that he formed him from the dust of the earth, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And it says man became a, a living being, you see. And I think it's interesting that when Jesus rose from the dead, that the very first thing he did when he saw his disciples is he breathed on them. It's almost like, to me, a recreation of what happened in Genesis chapter 2. Is the Spirit of God, when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, it's almost like I can see the breath of God going into Adam and Adam rising up again. Only this time, the Adam is you and I. We're the second Adam, all right? Created in the image and likeness of God. Second Peter says that we've been given exceeding great and precious promises that by them we might become partakers of the divine nature, all right? And we become partakers of that divine nature through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So, most people think that Jesus only came to pay the price for our sins. That's what I believed for a long time. How about you? That Jesus came to pay the price for our sins. He died on the cross, shed his blood, took his blood to the mercy seat into the very holy of holies in, uh, in heaven, made atonement for our sins, sent his spirit, now we're born again, and now we can go to heaven. But you see, that was not the whole plan. That was part of the plan. It's, it's, it's the great redemption story, but there's, there's more. There's more to this gospel. There's more to this good news. In Titus chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, 
It says, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration. Okay, that's, that's talking about being born again, the washing of regeneration. But it goes on and saying, and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we're born again by the Spirit of God, and then we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. We'll get into this in a whole lot more detail in days to come. But what did Jesus say about his own ministry? Or what did the Bible say? In particular, I want to look and see what did John the Baptist say about Jesus' ministry? In Luke chapter 3, verse 16, I'm going to back up to verse 15. It says, Now as the people were in expectation, and, and their hearts, and they all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not. John answered, saying to them, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Amen. This is what John the Baptist, he's talking about Jesus, and he's saying the purpose of Jesus' ministry is to come and to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I think it's interesting when you look at the ministry of Jesus, and John chapter 13 through almost uh, 20, 10 chapters are devoted to Jesus' last discussion with his disciples right before his arrest. They had had the Last Supper. Um, Judas had received the morsel and was going out to betray Jesus. And Jesus immediately turns his attention to his disciples and begins to talk about two things. One, he begins talking about a new commandment. He says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another even as I have loved you. Very important parting words, don't you think? I think that this discourse that Jesus had with his disciples prior to the cross is the most important word, probably the most important words that Jesus could possibly have. Save the very best for last, you know? And they're the, the ones that we need to dwell upon. And so, he gave a commandment in John chapter 14, verse 15. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you, uh, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may, be, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you, okay? So during the life of Jesus, we get a picture of the Holy Spirit abiding with the disciples in the life of Jesus, okay? In a couple of weeks, we're going we're gonna to look at connecting with the Holy Spirit through the life of Jesus. 
And we're going to take a look at the life of Jesus from his conception all the way through his resurrection. And we're going to see the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's absolutely amazing. I was dwelling on it last night, almost couldn't focus on what I wanted to teach tonight. Because the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus is just absolutely amazing. Do you know that Jesus, when he walked the earth, he didn't do anything as the Son of Man. He didn't do anything as God the Son. Everything that Jesus did on the earth, he did as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you all know that? If you're not sure, come back in a few weeks. All right. Don't miss. Jesus' life was an example to you and I of what life looks like when one is filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. That's why he was able to say, follow me. You see, now most people, when you think of the word follow me, most people think of, you know, like, you know, if I say, hey, Mike, follow me, and we, we take off and head around the church, and he follows me. But literally, in the Greek, the word follow means to imitate. It comes from the same Greek word that we get the word mimic. And so when Jesus said, follow me, what he's saying is, look at my life. Look how I conduct myself. Look at my relationship. And Jesus longed for relationship with his father. And he only did those things that he saw his father doing. He only spoke those things that he heard his father saying. And everything that Jesus did was as a result of the leading of the Holy Spirit. All right. John chapter 16, verse 7. Jesus is continuing this narrative with his disciples. And he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. How many of you know the disciples didn't want Jesus to go anywhere? As a matter of fact, they believed that he was the Messiah, and he was and is. But their belief was that he was going to overthrow the Roman government and establish, reestablish the glory days of Israel on the earth again. There was nothing in their way of thinking that allowed Jesus to depart. It just wasn't in the plan. And so Jesus is saying, listen, I'm telling you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Huh? Well, I want more of Jesus. I don't want Jesus to go away. He says, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. If I don't go, the Holy Spirit cannot come. But he says, if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, most of us, if, we, if Jesus himself was standing here and nobody in this room was filled with the Holy Spirit, but listen, you had the best, you had Jesus himself as your pastor. How about that? That'd be pretty cool. 
And, you know, every sermon was just the best sermon. There were signs and wonders. There were miracles that were taking place. The church was thriving. The community was being transformed. And then one day, Pastor Jesus stands here and says, listen, it's important for you to understand that I'm getting ready to leave. And you might experience, experience sorrow for a moment, but I'm telling you that your sorrow is going to be turned to joy. Because everything that you've seen in my life, everything that you've looked at, everything that you've longed for, everything that, that you've envisioned, when I go, the same spirit that indwells me, I'm going to send him to you. But if I don't go, it's just me. But if I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and every one of you can be filled with the same spirit that filled Christ Jesus. Most of us, if we had the choice between keeping Pastor Jesus or, or letting him go, most people would say, Pastor Jesus, please stay. How many of you would say that? You don't have to raise your hand too high. <laughs> probably before I mentioned this, you probably would have said, yes, Lord Jesus, come. But Jesus was saying that it's more important that I go because when I go, I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Do you know that it's impossible? Can you all say impossible? We can say impossible, can't we? It is impossible. What does impossible mean? Can't, it can't happen. I believe that it is impossible to live a victorious Christian life without connecting with the Holy Spirit. Believe me, I've tried. <laughs> and it always leads me back on my knees crying out for more of the Holy Spirit. He is our helper. He's the one who comes alongside to help. And can I tell you that there's a difference between a helper and a doer? The Holy Spirit is our helper, which means you have a part to play and he has a part to play. And if we don't play our part, then he hasn't got anything to help with, right? It's like Mel saying, can you help me clean the house? This isn't going to be a good example. <laughs> now, let, me, let me change that one up a little bit. See, always, Holy Spirit, help me. Um, it's as if I were to say, Mel, Mel, will you help me clean the house? And then I go outside and grab my golf clubs and, and head out to the golf course. And I say, Mel, will you help me clean the house? She said, sure, I'll be happy to help. So I go out and I play 18 miserable holes of golf. And I come home and I look at the house and the house is miserable. It's a mess. I'm going, well, I thought I asked. I thought I asked for some help. And Melanie, wonderful person that she is, agreed to help. So I said, honey, didn't you say that, that you would help? She said, yeah. When, when do you want to get started? Because <laughs> I'm here to help. Most of us are looking for the Holy Spirit to do something in our lives. 
when he's asking, he's prompting you by his own spirit on the inside. He's prompting you to begin to move in a direction so that he can take a hold with you and accomplish something together that you could never do on your own. Most of us love our comfort zones. How many of you like to be comfortable? Amen. I've had people say, you know what? We need some new chairs in here. We need wide ones. We need this, that. Yeah. We all want to be comfortable, you know? But the Holy Spirit has a work that he wants to do in each one of our lives that in order to become all that he's called us to be requires that we get out of our comfort zones. We've got to get out of our comfort zones. We've got to be willing to hear the word of the Lord and to step out on the water the same way that Peter did. Jesus gave an invitation and said, you know, Peter's out there watching Jesus just kind of get along on the water a little bit. He says, hey, can I, can I come do that with you? He says, sure, come on. Well, guess what? Peter had to get out the boat. <laughs> he had to get out the boat. Once he got out the boat, he started walking on the water while his eyes were on Jesus, right? But then it says that he got his eyes off of Jesus and he began to look at the wind and the waves and the storm and everything that was going on and he began to sink. But aren't you glad that Jesus was still there? You see, we get our eyes on Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes alongside to help. Sometimes we get our eyes because life is full of stuff and circumstances happen. We get our eyes off of Jesus and we begin to sink. Your salvation isn't going to come by taking swimming lessons. <laughs> okay. Your salvation is going to come by looking back to Jesus. He's the author and he's the finisher, right? So we get our eyes back on Jesus and guess what? He puts his hand down and he lifts you back up. And guess what? You can walk on the water all over again. Not by your own might or by your own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, most of us are waiting to feel qualified to do the things that God is calling us to. Can I tell you how qualified I feel to pastor? You really don't want to know. But every day I get out of my comfort zone and I seek the face of God and I seek his heart and I pray and I go about my day going from one uncomfortable situation to the next uncomfortable situation. How many of you live your life that way? You get up every day and you say, what uncomfortable thing are you going to call me into today? <laughs> but I'm telling you, when you make yourself available and you realize that God is calling you as a part of his body into the midst of situations, not to reveal your glory, but so that he can reveal his glory. He wants to reveal his glory in you and through you. And the only way that he can do that is to invite you into situations where people need to see that, where you need that. 
If we could do the Christian life without the Holy Spirit, I don't think he would be sent. But we can't. We just can't. I don't know how to say it any stronger. We can't. We just can't. He's our helper. Oh, that's where I got off. Uh, He comes alongside to help. He empowers us. He teaches us. He comforts us. He intercedes for us and through us. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by what? The Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. There he is again. How could we go so long in our Christian life without acknowledging the person and being connected with the Holy Spirit? So today, we've got to begin to place a great value on knowing and connecting with the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit isn't just a power. He's not just a feeling. Okay? The Holy Spirit's not a thing. I've heard all of this, have you? You see, it's like meeting somebody new. What, what have you heard about that? Well, he's this great power. Or I've been to meetings and the Holy Spirit's there and people are breaking out and all sorts of different manifestations and doing things. Well, the Holy Spirit, he has a work, but he's not, he's not just a power. He's not just an experience. He's not just a feeling. That's kind of, those are kind of impersonal, aren't they? Those are impersonal attributes. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not tongues or miracles. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. Many people, too many people in the church these days focus on the acts of the Holy Spirit and not the person. Can I tell you, when you develop a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will flow through you with such a purity, with such a genuineness, with such a humility, with such love that you won't be worried about manifesting a particular gift. You're just moved by compassion, and you're going to reach out and love people the way that Jesus does. And in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit's going to do his work, and you're going to see signs and wonders and miracles and all of the manifestations that we see in, in the book of Acts. You're going to see all of that. But we don't seek the hand, right? We seek the face. We seek yeah, yeah. We, we seek the heart. We seek the relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Many of us f- focus on the works of the Holy Spirit, but not developing a relationship with a person of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Father and Jesus are in heaven. But the Holy Spirit, the third person, person of the Trinity. Guess where he is? He's in Andrea. (laughs) That's why she's so, no. (laughs) That's why she's special. Yeah. 
See, so the Holy Spirit is in you and he is, and that's what makes you special. Let me read this out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19. Come on, there's some life in the house. <laughs> Amen. Everybody All right, here's an, ex here's an exciting verse for you this morning, okay? 1 Corinthians 6, 19. And, and listen, when you think about the book of Acts, do you know that the... the, 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 the <laughs> <laughs> that must that must be the Holy Spirit, <laughs> right? Do you know that the that the early church didn't even have an iPad? I mean, <laughs> right? They did. They didn't even have a Bible. What what was it that the early church had? They, did, they didn't have all of the, they didn't have Google. <laughs> I read a quote earlier this week that blessed me so much. It says, never memorize anything that you can look up. <laughs> that blessed me so much. <laughs> you see, there was a time where you had to memorize everything, but you're, you're, I'm, I no matter where I am, I'm out shopping yesterday for a microwave for our child care center, and I don't know what to get, so I'm on my smartphone, and I'm Googling it, you know. Didn't have to do a whole lot of just, just right there. What's that have to do with anything? I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The church the church didn't have the Holy Spirit. The well, or They didn't have the Bible the way that they But what they did have is they had the Holy Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit. They recognized the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. They knew what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. I believe that during that 40-day period between when Jesus was raised from the dead and the day of Pentecost, I believe that when Jesus appeared to him, that he spoke about the Holy Spirit. I believe that when the day of Pentecost came, they knew what was getting ready to come. And they were prepared. And we're getting prepared. We're getting prepared. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 19. Or do you not know what your body, what, not what, that. <laughs> I need new glasses. <laughs> or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Hello? The Holy Spirit lives in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have in you, in the person of the Holy Spirit, the same person with the attributes of the one who raised Christ from the dead. And we walk around depressed. You've got nuclear, you've got more than nuclear energy on the inside of you. So again, I just just by way of introduction this morning, I, we're we're going to talk about this. We're going to break this down over the weeks to come. 
But I want to implore you to begin to, this is what I did years ago when the Holy Spirit began to tug on my heart and I began to see that there was more than my relationship with historical Jesus. I began to see that God wanted to work in the earth today in the same way that he did in the book of Acts. And I knew that it wasn't me. I didn't have the ability. I knew that it took the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And my prayer was simply this, Holy Spirit, would you please reveal yourself to me? Holy Spirit, will you please come and make yourself known to me? I just, I just, I just prayed that simple prayer. And I prayed it over and over again. I probably prayed it a thousand times, maybe a million. I don't know. But I just began to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, I want to know you. Because he lives and he dwells on the inside of this physical temple. And he's not just along for the ride, you know? It's not like a trip to King's Dominion and he's just, and he's just buckled in and can't wait till you get to the destination. He wants out today. He wants out right now. You know, Paul told Timothy to stir up the gifts that were in him through the laying on of, the, of his hands. There are gifts that are on the inside of each and every one of you, gifts of the Holy Spirit. But you see, before we get to talking about the gifts, it's important for us to understand the person of the Holy Spirit to understand and to value who he is as a person, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. His attributes are the same as the Father. And it's important to understand this. We talk a lot here about the love of God. You need to understand that the Holy Spirit is love as well. And by that, you need to understand that the Holy Spirit is patient and the Holy Spirit is kind. The Holy Spirit isn't envious or boastful or inflated with pride. The Holy Spirit is never rude. The Holy Spirit is never unmannerly. The Holy Spirit is never provoked with an unrighteous anger. The Holy Spirit always believes the very best about you. He always does. In John chapter 14, Jesus says when the spirit of truth comes that he will convict the church, he will convict the believer of righteousness. That means that the Holy Spirit's job is to remind you who you are, who you have become as a new creation in Christ. The enemy wants to continually remind you of who you were before Christ. The Holy Spirit's job is not to convict you of sin. It's to convict you of righteousness. It's to teach you who you are in Christ today. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Okay? So the Holy Spirit, he covers, he protects, he believes the best. His hopes are fadeless towards you. You know what? There are areas where some of you have given up hope. The Holy Spirit never gives up hope. And the thing that I love the most is love never fails. The Holy Spirit never fails. I like to put a little spin on that, you know, because if you don't 
If you never fail, what does that mean? That means you always succeed. You always prosper. You always win. So when we connect with the person of the Holy Spirit, you are always on the victory side. Right? And a victory person. Yeah. So listen, here's what we're going to be talking about in the weeks to come. Next week, we're going to talk about connecting with the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. I want you to see how the Holy Spirit is not just something that happened in the life of Jesus and in the book of Acts, but I want you to see that the Holy Spirit has been around from the very beginning. We're going to connect with the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Then we're going to connect with the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. He's the head. We're the body. So the following week, we're going to look at the acts of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Then we're going to spend a week talking about something that has been so misunderstood and the devil has got so much leverage and people have got so scared of that you're missing out on one of the biggest blessings that God has for you. We're going to talk about tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit, but guess what? If you don't understand them and you don't understand them within the context of the person of the Holy Spirit, it loses the, the value, it loses the, the depth and the richness that it's supposed to bring into our lives. And then we're going to talk about connecting with the Holy Spirit today. How does the Holy Spirit want to connect with you in your life and the vision that he's given you? to bring change in your personal life, to bring change in your family? What does God want to do through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring change and transformation to this community? And what's our place to hook up and to begin to take some steps of faith, to walk out on the water where the Holy Spirit can come up alongside of us and do what no man can do in his own strength, amen? And see transformation in our community. Thanks for listening to Streams from the River from the River Church RVA in Chester, Virginia. If you've been blessed by the message and would like to connect deeper with the River Church RVA, please visit our website at riverchurchrva.com. Or you can send us an email, share your testimonies, prayer requests, or general correspondence to family at riverchurchrva.com. Again, that's family at riverchurchrva.com. Have a blessed day, and we look forward to being with you again next time right here on Streams from the River.